Hey everyone, welcome back. Another episode of Game Talk Radio. I'm Greg, and uh, we're gonna kick things off today talking about. Um, well, you know, usually when we cover a story, it's usually something bad or it's something drama or it's some sort of story-related thing. So we don't talk about a lot of positive things, and here we try. But uh, this story came across last night. Uh, Kotaku did a great spread on it, and it has to do with the failed Kickstarter. I mean, I say failed; it's not technically failed yet. Um, of uh, one of the first, what was touted as the first AAA Japanese Kickstarter for a game called Project Phoenix. So some of you may or may not know what this is, but basically it was a Kickstarter a couple years ago and it was, the, their big bragging point was that it was the first ever AAA Japanese indie RPG on Kickstarter. So that was like the first thing that everyone talked about. And uh, so they started touting how they have all this AAA talent. Um, we have people working on this game from, you know, studios like uh, that worked on games like L.A. Noir and people that worked on, um, you know, Final Fantasy three and twelve and fourteen and and all this. This guy worked on Tenchu. This guy. Worked, so like they're like, this is one of the, you know this is big this is like japan's hitting kickstarter we've all been waiting for classic jrpgs retro's hot let's you know and and uh it's gonna have the music of the final fantasy guy like we're all getting excited and so the project has been doing what it's been doing you know like it's been a couple years like a lot of kickstarter projects you know this was estimated to release in mid 2015 and you know it, it isn't <laughs> it's it's late 2017 still not here and so the the project every now and then gets periodic updates. They had released uh, a couple of years ago. They had released like a video of early alpha footage, uh, which was not very well received. Uh, I watched the video because I'll be honest, I didn't kickstart this. Uh, I I heard about it at the time and I looked at it and I was like, eh. It they touted it as a like a tactical real time strategy game with Japanese RPG. So I was like, eh, not a big deal. <clears throat> didn't really do anything for me. Like just not my style. So I never kickstarted it, thankfully. But a lot of people did. So originally the project was uh was scheduled for a hundred thousand dollar goal and it raised a million dollars. So that's 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 a big deal. That's nothing to scoff at. So uh, but f they've been doing periodic updates here and there and uh, essentially what a lot of people feel might be stringing people along and they don't really have a lot to show for it. They have the one video they released of the alpha which like I said, most people didn't like, and it doesn't look very good. And it's, it's like cheap 3d, like chibi looking, like the, basically that gameplay demo was not a million dollar demo. And I understand how game design works. And I understand that a million dollars is probably not enough to launch a, a, a triple a game. Hey, babe, my beautiful wife's leaving for work. So love you. Uh, and so project Phoenix was you know, in all, for all intents and purposes, it's supposed to be like, you know, the first Japanese big, it was a big deal. Yeah, that's all I'm going to say. So it raised a million dollars. It got a lot of, you know, the, the, the concept art looked incredible, you know, very cute, very awesome. Uh, there was just some, some awesome, awesome stuff. So some of the, the, the people that they have working on it, I'm going to kind of scroll down here. So they want to talk about the team because that was one of their big things, right? Was that we have people that worked on games like Elinoir, Diablo three, Halo four, crisis three, uh, and, and that was, that was, that's in their Kickstarter, um, you know, pitch. And so everybody's like, oh, well, what's, what's going on? What's happening? Uh, this is awesome. You know, this is, this is great. So the director of the game is Hiroki Yura. 
who is credited with Diablo 3, Valkyria Chronicles, and Steins Gate. And uh, is also a, a violinist, apparently. Whatever. So, so Yura is like the director and producer. Then they have a lead programmer who is unannounced, <laughs> like still on the page. Uh, been a programmer since primary school, made a game engine, has worked on creating several current next-gen console games. Uh, due to the empire of Alexander's national interests, we cannot announce this prodigal programmer's name or his elite team until late in the development process, whatever the heck that means. So now we go to the, first, the game designer. Okay, so the game designer is Vaughn Smith, Vohan? Maybe it's Vohan. I don't know. It looks like Vaughn with an extra A in there. Whatever. His most well-known title is L.A. Noir. Oh, pretty fancy. Oh, oh, I'm, oh, he worked QA. He worked QA for L.A. Noir. Oh, okay. Well, let's put him in charge of designing a game. Um, but no, apparently he has extensive experience working on more indie games. Uh, the battle system of Project Phoenix is one of the main elements of the game, and apparently that's his design. And then they have some other people here too, but it, like, it doesn't and then like this one so there's an art supervisor who's unannounced and the credits are some very famous anime that everyone knows we cannot announce this person till the release of the game um okay and then here this person's credited with the art director final fantasy 3 12 and 14 the lead artists credits tenchu um so then there's this one which is take b which is a character designer and monster designer credits some very famous jrpg that everyone knows it's just like like shrouded in mystery and never updated, basically, is the point I'm trying to get at here. Um, so, again, there's all these kind of red flags that don't look like red flags at the moment until you get to a couple years after a Kickstarter and you start to think, what the hell's going on? Like, we, wh wh what's happening here? So, anyway, the reason for all the drama... So, this has been happening for a while. This is nothing new. This isn't news. People have been disappointed with this for a while. This is what it is. However, what what more recently then is the developer of that game, so uh, Yura, who we were just talking about, Hiroki Yura, I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, I'm, I apologize. So Yura uh, has been accused of embezzling $1 million from Kickstarter. Now that headline's really grabbing, right? So like, what? wait, what, embezzling? Okay, so they're stealing from their company? Well, or stealing from Kickstarter? No, but what they're arguing is that they're using a million dollars that was supposed to go to the Kickstarter for Project Phoenix, and that was used to make an all-new game called Tiny Metal. So, the uh, let's see here. So what happened was, all of a sudden, um, this is, I'm trying to see where they where they released. I want to say it was on their Facebook page. Um, this is what. Uh, yeah, this was, let me see, um, Lacey, uh, the, the, this, the name Lacey, who worked on the marketing and PR manager on Tiny Metal, looked to Project Phoenix Facebook account to accuse Yura, the comp, uh, Yura's company of running a scam. So here's what, here's what Lacey wrote on Facebook. Two months after I was hired at Area 35, who's the developer of uh, Tiny Metal, by the way, I learned that the company funded this project by running a scam through Kickstarter. They gathered several famous creators and ran a campaign known as Project Phoenix, then used the million dollars received from the campaign to fund the Tiny Metal Project. Here's how it happened. After they received the Kickstarter money for Project Phoenix, they subsequently shut down their original company, Creative Intelligent Arts, then used that same money to establish Area 35 and pay for staff, equipment, and an office to make Tiny Metal. The company CEO, Yura, asked me to deflect any accusations that this money was from anyone other than private investors. In actuality, Yuri, uh, Yura only dipped into his own funds and asked for money from private investors after the funding that had 
that he had secured for Tiny Metal was running low. I refused this request to fabricate and minimize the truth for the purpose of misleading others, then told Yura to remove me from all matters regarding Project Phoenix so that I would not be implicated in this affair. You will notice progress reports on the Project Phoenix Kickstarter blog, as well as their official kick. Uh, project phoenix blog these were written periodically by yura himself in order to squander doubts that the project was dead the nature of these blog entries through their infrequency and intentional ambigu <laughs> ambiguity reveals to us that the project never was meant to be released to yura this ruse under the guise of a campaign and blog was merely an effective means to receive funding while removing any obligation to investors end quote so what lacy is accusing yura of is taking the million raising a million dollars for project phoenix and then using that money to fund another game knowing that if project phoenix never comes out he doesn't owe anybody anything there's no obligation he's not sunk anything the fans just get screwed out of their money and that's it so uh the people at project phoenix <clears throat> excuse me project phoenix deleted that facebook post quickly but obviously not before it was seen a lot of people caught it um the kotaku article uh, the writer mentions that he received like a dozen emails when it happened like about the story so he reaches out to Yura, who all of a sudden, and here's where it gets a little wild. So the writer of the Kotaku article reaches out to Yura, and uh, he fires back. So this is what Yura had to say about Lacey, who's the person who put him on blast and called him out. The post was posted by a staff whose contract has been brought out due to has been excuse me bought out due to him being a toxic employee who was who has sexually harassed our female staff amongst many other problems. The post is factually incorrect and thus was deleted from our account. That's all we have to say for now. We're looking into releasing legal documents and other proofs after discussing this with our lawyer. Yura then added that he couldn't offer more details, but said there are three witnesses to this happening during that time. <clears throat> so then it goes back to Lacey. Uh, I, this Kotaku article is great, by the way. Like The writer on this, Kotaku lately has been putting out some just killer, like not lately, but for a while. They always do investigative stuff, and I really, really like it. Uh, Lacey denied these accusations, saying in an email, No, Yura's statement about me being toxic and sexually harassing a staff member is not true. He is reacting to my statement with libel. He also sent over an uh, end quote. Apparently, then he also sent over a bunch of like logs from a, the company's Slack chat channel. Um, but the guy from Kotaku couldn't understand any of it or to see that it pertained to anything. <clears throat> so... Uh, now, Yura went on to say that the Project Phoenix Kickstarter money went into the creation of the Alpha Build. He added that he also invested money he received from other jobs, uh, like work on I Am Setsuna was one of the games he was working on. So he's arguing that he threw a bunch of his own money in and that this is false. Um, however, they are stating on the Kickstarter page that they're going to release Tiny first. Tiny Metal will come out first and then they'll get back to finishing Project Phoenix. So it just feels like they're still stringing people along and stringing people along. And so, I, like I said, I went to the Kickstarter page and I kind of want to... One of the, you can learn a lot by going into updates and comment sections of Kickstarters. Um, so their last update was November 15th. So this is a, a week ago. And they were they had a tiny metal demo build. So they, they basically are... I believe they're even giving this game to the backers or they're allowing them access to it at least. Then the, the the update before that was August 16th, then June 30th, and then June 12th, April 23rd, February 15th, where they're just doing things like, oh, let's talk about the classes. I'm going to talk about the Berserker class today. And then January 9th was Happy New Year. Ugh. It just, you know, it's, it's just enough updates to like 
make you think it's alive when it could possibly be very dead. So I head to the comments. As Twitch, there are 10,000 comments. So this is a lot of stuff going on here. And so what's it's interesting here, though, is I'm reading everyone, and there's a lot of people tagged as super backers, which means they back a lot of projects. And it's it's really sad to me that people, when they've put some money in, that they, they're afraid to let it go. And they're, they're afraid to stop believing. Like they're hopeful, which I guess is a positive, except there sometimes comes a time where you have to be realistic and you have to stop putting up with this stuff. So uh, so there's people sticking up for them and saying, we got to be patient, everybody. Just be patient. Like you haven't been patient enough. If you kickstarted this and they said it would come out mid-2015 and it's late 2017 and it's still not coming out, and then they have the gall to release another game before the one you guys paid for, like, that's frustrating. That's frustrating to me and I didn't even kickstart this stupid thing. But those are the sort of things, like, yes, we want to be positive and stay positive about things, but there's also times where we have to be like, no, we have to put our foot down. Um, uh, so as I'm looking down here, uh, somebody... Somebody was posting as, I want to get to one here. Somebody was posting as Tiny Metal Programmer. Um, so he apparently is a person who's working on Tiny Metal, you would think by his name. And he's coming out and he's uh, um, basically, um, you know, trying to stick up for everything here, you know. So uh, here, here's some of his comments. This was This is all because the story broke yesterday. There's a whole bunch of different comments here um you know he's talking about transparency and how they want to be transparent um okay so here is a, a kind of his summary of what happened so this is what tiny metal programmer said thanks for being calm who knows maybe this way more people will know about my work on tiny metal so this might be that unknown programmer that they couldn't talk about the the guru or whatever already on some forms people have said they really like tiny metal and it looks fantastic if there's any plus side to going through this pain which is game industry's drama. It is more people will be able to enjoy the work I put into Tiny Metal. I know some people are surprised that after a toxic employee has falsely accused us of committing fraud, we might break our silence. Keep in mind, we already put up with months of his toxic iterations, so we are pretty jaded at this point. Some might be also be surprised why I do not waste more words refuting a false and evidence-less accusation. The reason is simple. In the reality, we call earth the only well, hold on sorry i'm trying to do this the reason is simple in the reality we call earth the only thing which has actually happened is a sweet talking employee has gotten fired for the fifth time and is trying to extract as much money from an indie developer as possible so here that he's replying to someone else's numbered points number one yes and hero has apologized to the team for hiring this person several times i work with hero because i know his heart and passion are in the right place not necessarily because i think he is always correct we'll be more careful about hiring in the future Two, we've talked about this in prior updates. There is money being held in an untouched bank account to handle the backer awards, but the developer, the development budget was spent on development. Then that few weeks of work I was able to put into Project Phoenix 2 years ago when I was hired was not paid for by Project Phoenix. Three, I should be soon-ish, but like I said, we need to talk to the lawyer. Keep in mind there is not much to say other than provide proof that the ex-employees was let go with a generous severance package and has been trying to extract more money from us. We are still just an indie developer with limited means, so of course we don't have a lawyer on staff or anything like that. Everyone in this office has sacrificed to get tiny metal this far. I personally went for months without pay before we had the initial investment. 
Others were only hired once we had some investment. Every executive has personally loaned money to the company to pay people's paychecks and keep us going. Everyone except this ex-employee has scarified. I personally lent money to this ex-employee when he wanted to rent an apartment he could not afford. We've given so much and forgiven so much, yet this person turns around and tries to hurt us. So <clears throat> either way around it, whoever's right and whoever is telling the truth. Personally, I think it's very realistic that that they took this million dollars and immediately started working on a different game. However, it's also very realistic that this guy got fired for doing something wrong. Lacey got fired for doing something wrong and then decided to try to bring the company down. That's very realistic. And I wish we had more information, but here's the thing I know for sure. Tiny Metal is still coming out before Project Phoenix, and Project Phoenix will probably never come out. So even if they used any Project Phoenix money towards Tiny Metal, that was a disservice to its fans. It's 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 like the uh, Commodore 64 video I did. You know, they promise people a Commodore computer and then say, well, we're going to come out with the C64 Mini first because that's going to make us money to hopefully come out with the other project. No, that's not how this works. You don't get to take everyone's money for a project, funnel that money to another project that comes out first and then hope that project makes enough money for you to continue the other one. That's just not how it works. And a company's not going to do that because quite frankly, they have your money for Kickstarter. They have no obligation to you. If And they, they, they're they not going to spend money now on a game that's not going to make them more money in the future. And and quite honestly, the game looked terrible from that early alpha build. And so unless they're revamping the entire game, it just seems lost at this point. And so an uh, interesting story. Not sure who's telling the truth, unfortunately, till we get more details. But the fact that uh, that this Kickstarter has still not come out and they're actively promoting another game on this game's kickstarter is incredible red flag to me and i think that should almost be not allowed by kickstarter like you shouldn't be allowed to brag about another project or another game on the forums and because they're basically they used kickstarter not only for money but they use that to get press they use that to get an instant audience <clears throat> for their future games so now you've got ten thousand was it ten thousand backers i think is what they had they had 15,000 backers. So now when you have a new game, you instantly have a way to, to get 15,000 people to know about your new game. Eh, you know, it's, it's annoying. So anyway, uh, Project Phoenix drama, you know, it, it just, it sucks. And I really, uh, I really hope that anyone who kickstarted this can get a refund and, and take the money out. No, nothing's been sent either. Like none of the backer rewards have been sent out or anything like that. You know, where you get like t-shirts and posters, none of that stuff's been sent out. And, and they claim that they've got all that money set aside, but I don't know. I don't buy it. So I think there might be a little truth to both of this. I think that, um, if my, my honest take on this is that that's what happened, that, uh, they took money from, project phoenix to fund tiny metal and then i think that person got fired for sexually harassing somebody and then decided you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna burst this company's bubble i i have a feeling that everyone in this story is a piece of crap um and that they're, that they're just garbage people all around um but i also believe the uh the claims against lacy so eh, you know it is whatever so here just another one of those kickstarter stories right we have to be careful we have to you know i don't know apparently now we, you can't kickstart anything you know and <clears throat> there was a time when you would have thought that like it, when i was in japan it was it was really interesting because <clears throat> like you felt like everything was safe there you could set a laptop bag down you could sit there you didn't like i remember you just felt safe you know and i was in tokyo and i remember we walked out of a train station the wrong way and all of a sudden it started getting really it was at night really late and it was, we got to an area that wasn't well lit and it was super dark and i was like okay oh we better be careful so i just started you know i just started to think like you know 
okay, we're walking in a dark area, just be head on a swivel, just be paying attention, you know, not that I thought we'd get mugged or anything, but, you know, and then out, out of, like, the shadows kind of hops this, like, 10-year-old schoolgirl just walking home. So it was like, oh, I was almost like, this is a very scary, dark path, and then a 10-year-old girl's walking by herself down it. So it was fine. And so Japan's culture is very different from ours when it comes to violence and crime, and, and not that it doesn't exist there, but you typically, their their society has just seemingly a bit more honor and respect and for things like this. So you, you don't expect a Kickstarter by a Japanese company to end up like this, I guess. And I think that's what a lot of people bought into it. They bought into their love of the Japanese culture and they wanted to support it. And, you know, we get, you get burned by Japanese Kickstarters, just like you get burned by us Kickstarters and it's a mess. And I hope, Kickstarter can maybe in the future, they won't change anything because they make a ton of money off this sort of stuff. Whether the project finishes or not, Kickstarter doesn't care. And all we can hope for is that maybe one day something will change or, I mean, what sucks is this is ruining it for future Kickstarters, you know, like, like people then start getting jaded and they stop backing projects. And once they stop backing projects, then we stop getting those hidden gems funded that we always wanted, you know? And, and that, that's what makes me mad when, when a couple of bad apples ruin it for the bunch. Um, so moving on from that story, going on to the next one. So the next story is a couple stories, but kind of mashed into one. Uh, as you know, last week I went on a tirade about the Battlefront 2 uh, BS <laughs> of microtransactions in the release. And I'll tell you, that game uh, has, it, we've made a difference, everybody. I mean, it's it's incredible the fact that there's a lot of people who aren't buying the game or boycotting the game. So much so, in fact, <laughs> that uh, because as the podcast recording of last week, they hadn't done this yet. So um, a couple days ago, right before the launch of the game, <clears throat> uh, EA announces that they're temporarily freezing the microtransactions. So uh, uh, let me take a look here. Just wanted to get the actual quote from them. Okay, because it's not all great, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> so... Um, Thursday night, they come out and they say, they release like a statement saying, we hear you quote, we hear you loud and clear. So we're turning off all in game purchases. We will now spend more time listening, adjusting, balancing, and tuning. This means that the option to purchase crystals in the game is now offline and all progression will be earned through gameplay. The ability to purchase crystals in game will become available at a later date. Only after we've made changes to the game, we'll share more details as we work through this. So you're like, Oh, cool. They wait a minute. And then you look, <laughs> right here's the, the best line ever. The ability to purchase crystals in-game will become available at a later date. So basically, EA is saying, we crapped the bed. We don't want to hurt the launch of, <laughs> of this game on Friday. So Thursday, we're going to come out and say, hey, internet, you did it. You did it. Um, and you'll notice, um, and, and then get everyone to buy the game. Like, now we can buy the game guilt-free. Now, if you remember last week on the podcast, I said this specifically. I read an article that agreed with me very much about how this was all by design and how they were gonna they were gonna set a ridiculous standard, then tone it back, and then we'd be okay with the tone back because it was less. And that how we like feeling like we won, and that this is a victory for us. And once we feel good, then we can feel like we can buy it without having any sort of, you know, we don't have any sort of guilt along with buying it you know we can feel like we stood up to the man and we won so now we can whatever so it's annoying um so that that was big news last week so they temporarily froze the in-game purchases so that what they're basically doing is they're letting people play the game and unlock things however 
you still unlock things at a ridiculously slow pace. So they're still trying to groom us because they want us to go through the game at their intended pace and then see how slow it is and then be like, see, you guys want to be able to buy credits. See, see how boring the game is instead of just making the game fun and accessible without throwing in this BS money sink later. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, so that, that was like last Friday and I was like, Whoa. And then the internet's like, well, we did it. And everyone's like, Oh my God, this is so amazing. We, we did it. Reddit. We came together. Internet. We're the best, most downvoted comment in Reddit history. And EA listened to us and wow. And wow. And we're so cool. And then you read that line that says it'll come back later. You're like, okay, well it's going to come back later. However, the interesting part of the story is a couple of days later, it started leaking out that maybe this decision wasn't EA's. Maybe they didn't decide to uh, freeze the microtransactions. Hmm, well, who would have done that then? Who, who, who would have the power to come in and tell EA what to do? Well, that would be only one company in the world, which is Disney. Now, Disney uh, signed an exclusive deal with EA to make, o- to make all Star Wars games. And obviously, Disney owns uh, Star Wars franchise. And so what's, uh, what's funny about this one is that apparently the, the Disney CEO, Bob Iger, called EA CEO Andrew Wilson to discuss the roiling controversy over the in-game purchases. Uh, however, the Wall Street Journal is now suggesting that Disney did not put pressure um, however, there was like, there's been a few different leaks saying that Disney CEO basically called EA and was like, listen, Star Wars is one of our biggest franchises. Now we have a new movie coming out. This game's supposed to make a bunch of money. You're hurting our brand. You best fix it. And so you're like, whoa, okay, geez, you know, EA is known as one of the biggest game publishing companies out there. So you're like, who, who's going to push EA around? Well, it's going to be Disney because <laughs> they have a lot more money and you know, EA doesn't want to lose that license. So now that kind of um, brings me back to uh, you know obviously we we did it we we were smart about it they, their sales were hurt their stock dropped a little bit but that's pretty normal except you'd think their stock to go up a little bit when they'd launch a huge game like that whatever it is what it is however uh, it's so it's a neat follow up to um, to the Battlefront story which was we're all pissed at EA so we all decide to boycott it and then not only does does the, the do they freeze the microtransactions for now but there's the news that disney was the one who came down and put the put the smackdown on them which i i find incredibly amusing to me that they they made such an uproar we made such an uproar they made such a stink that ea got actually got got pinned down by disney and, and so that's that's really cool to me now again now there's rumors coming or there's stories coming out now that that's not the case and that star wars the official statement is that that disney 100 percent backs ea's decisions and yada 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 but give me a break like this is exactly what happened um they, they didn't want to hurt sales of the game they don't want to hurt the franchise name especially since part of the, some of the people that were locked were characters like luke skywalker who's a main character in the new star wars movie they understand that you can't have all of this negativity surrounding your franchise when you're about to launch a new movie in one month you can't have it so interesting so funny stuff there and so this uh this kind of rolled into another uh final little bit of a project here which was the fact that um (laughs) that all of a sudden now uh, out of nowhere ea is also retooling their need for speed loot crates so, or what they called shipments. So, um, this could be a, a really good tipping point where they're starting to realize that fan backlash is hurting their sales and everything. So 
Uh, this article came through yesterday, which was the following Star Wars Battlefront 2 debacle, EA scrambles to rework Need for Speed loot crates. So, um, let's see here. So there was a huge changelog of what they're changing, but the gist is that you now get more in-game XP for playing, which results in more rewards. Uh, that uh, Because you could also buy money in that game, too. Um, so now what they're saying is, oh yeah, yeah, no, now it's really easy. Like if you do this stuff, you can just earn game in rewards. You don't have to buy stuff. So it's even spreading to their other games. If you believe, uh, what these articles are all saying. So here were some of the updates. It increases the amount of rep awarded by taking part in events, increases the amount of bank awarded by taking part in events. Bait crates are now rewarded. Bait crates are now reward increased bank, whatever the hell this, eh, this is all jargon to me. I haven't played the need for speed yet. Um, because they did that crap where they released the $80 version first and they have to wait four days for uh, for this uh, $60 version. So yeah, to hell with them. Um, also, it goes into an interesting... Uh, it's an interesting uh, view about uh, how lately the ESRB has not been able... and uh, has not been wanting to classify loot boxes as gambling so like when you watch need for speed i'm watching this gif here which is hilarious this is their definition of quote unquote not gambling it's literally a, a slot machine and you click you click and you click and then it stops randomly on some thing that you unlock using your points that you get from in the game it, it's so stupid now i wouldn't mind random loot boxes if you couldn't get the same item over and over again that was my main issue with rocket league and even though it's just cosmetic and it doesn't affect the game it irritates me that I get one rare piece and then I get the exact same rare piece. Now, yeah, I could trade that to somebody else, but I don't want to. Like, if I have that piece, I should be able to open that crate and only get the pieces I don't have. You know, little things like that. I mean, come on, you don't have to milk us that hard. Um, but, uh, and then, and then here's a good point. So, someone made a good point about Forza 7. So, uh, apparently, Forza 7 has 100 cars that are exclusive to loot boxes. That, that's it. 100 cars are exclusive to loot boxes. I mean, this is insanity. So all we can do is keep doing what we're doing. If a game takes advantage of these loot boxes, kick them to the curb. Don't deal with it. Don't put up with it. Just kick them to the curb. Um, so so not only uh, did Battlefront have an issue, EA moved that to rework Need for Speed's loot crates, which is selling terrible and is getting terrible reviews, like 6s out of 10s. Need for Speed, uh, the new Need for Speed is just not not doing well. And that might be why they're doing it too. In all fairness, it may not be based on that. It might be based on we're just not selling the game. And then this is my favorite part of the story though. So again, this this is uh this is all kind of connected to our Star Wars Battlefront thing. But uh the other day, um someone tweeted at CD Project Red, which is the company that makes one of my favorite games, The Witcher uh Witcher 123. Uh they're working on Cyberpunk 2077. So, uh, someone tweeted at them, CD Projekt are considering quote-unquote games as a service for Cyberpunk 2077 as part of their drive to make it more commercially significant? Um, question mark. So, basically, someone made a video saying, is CD Projekt Red going to turn their games into a games as a service? Which, if you haven't heard that term yet, that's EA's term for subscription-based and loot crate type service. They call it games as a service, <laughs> which is corporate lingo for uh, pay to play, pay to win, whatever you want to say, loot crates, all that microtransaction garbage. It's called games as a service in, in their corporate speak. 
So CD Projekt replies to that tweet and says, worry not. When thinking Cyberpunk 2077, think nothing less than The Witcher 3. Huge single player, open world, story driven RPG. No hidden catch. You get what you pay for. No bullshit. Just honest gaming like with Wild Hunt. We leave greed to others. <laughs> so so basically CD Projekt just, just blasts everybody who does loot crates. So um, I'm going to kind of read the article here from Kotaku because it just kind of sums everything up really well. Um, Ever since the controversy around loot boxes reached a fever pitch with Battlefront 2, some people have been enthusiastically parsing any and all comments related to CD Projekt Red's future game. In addition to online features, uh, Kashinki also said in an interview that online is necessary or very recommended if you wish to achieve a long-term success. So this is why people were worried a little bit about cyberpunk. Like the, the, you know, the people, the producer of cyberpunk was saying in an interview, he said a couple things like, um, he said, uh, that, um, it, it, uh, there are additional online features for the game, which Witcher didn't have anything like that unless you count, you know, downloads. Online is necessary or very recommended if you wish to achieve a long-term success. So that's another thing he said that made people, like, you know, start to think, oh my god, are they turning into EA? Like, are they going to go into games as a service? So, so then, uh, you know, all these threads started popping up. That's when Dude tweets out. That's when CD Projekt Red comes back and says, this is what to expect. So I'm going to continue on with the article. The response appears to reaffirm the studio's commitment to single play at a time when many story-focused AAA games are struggling or canceled altogether if you talk about the new Star Wars game. Not the new one, but the canceled Star Wars game. But CD Projekt Red went even further, taking shots at game companies who have embraced game design that prioritizes microtransactions in no uncertain terms. No hidden catch, quote-unquote. Get what you pay for, quote-unquote. No BS, quote-unquote. And we leave greed to others it quote unquote is an explicit a call out is is as explicit a call out of ea's treatment of battlefront 2 as you're likely to see from any other developer as public backlash to the new star wars games pay to win mechanics and onerous loot box grinding mounted earlier in the week ea announced it would temporarily be pulling the microtransactions uh ea is yet to confirm if it won't simply bring microtransactions back as the outrage has died down so that was a fun that was a fun one for me. Uh, just the fact that CD Projekt Red, who now they've had trouble of their own, as you remember, we did a story here a couple months ago talking about how their work environment isn't the best, uh, according to anonymous user reviews who supposedly work there through no proof. Um, but it is known that they pay a lot less than other gigs in the industry in the same position, but mostly because of the cost of living where they're located. But anyway. CD Projekt Red, for the most part, uh, they give a lot of free DLC. Like, the way they handle Witcher 3 was incredible. And look, it's... <laughs> they're not our best friends, okay? <laughs> it's not like they're doing all this stuff for free. They, they put a letter inside Witcher 3 saying, we'll never, you know, do this. We'll never do that. We appreciate your customers. We think you should get all the game you can for this amount of money. Here you go. And they made an incredible game that was full of content for one price, and it was excellent. But they're doing that as a marketing thing. They're trying to look like the good guys. Like, let's get real here. CD Projekt Red is not, like, trying to save the industry from itself. But they understand one simple thing. You keep your customers happy, your customers will keep coming back to you. And that's something that I apply to work. And if you apply that at any company you work at that has customers, they will come back to you. If you take care of them, they will take care of you. That's my philosophy when it comes to customer service. So they're not doing this for the good of us. 
well, they technically are, but they're doing it so that they can be better off in the end. They know that all this positive press is good for them and that they want to build a loyal fan base and following. So it's smart. So they're doing it right. As opposed to EA, who is basically what I say is milking all of its customers as hard as it can for every drop they can get. And they don't care that they're doing irreparable damage to their customer base. Like they don't realize it until it's too late. And that's the difference between two companies like this. So with that being said, this was just another fun one that uh, someone, a, a big developer, you know, a big, big studio came out and said, you know what, we're not going to, we're not going to do it. Um, which was also interesting because I, there was a, I don't remember the name of the game now. I was just reading this on my phone earlier uh, today and, oh, what was it? I was on Twitter and it was basically a company who was one of the very first, like, uh, I can't find it. That sucks. Um. I wish I could find it. Yeah, and it was like, you know, th their first game was like riddled with microtransactions and, um, you know, and people paid a ton. And they actually have come out recently and have said our next game is going, we're going to go to a pay first model, which basically means you pay for the game and then, you know, you get your money up front as opposed to trying to do like a free to play game that expects people to buy microtransactions. And they even say in that quote, when they say they're going to do that, they comment about how they don't want to profit off of people that are like not aware of their own addiction or something. Like he's basically saying that people who buy these things are addicted to it. And it's almost like a trick and that they don't want to make money in the industry that way anymore. And I have to give them a lot of credit because I think they're going to take a huge hit. Now they're a private company, so it's not a, a stock thing. But if you go from a successful business model like that, I mean, yeah, the positive press is great that you're getting right now for doing that. Man, that's got to be tough, and I hope they survive because if they survive doing that, this might be that turning point we've all been waiting for. That once the little guys stop doing it, the big guy, and then, then people start playing the little games, stop getting away from the big games, and you'll see the big guys stop doing it too. Because really the only reason that the big company started doing this was games, the little guys started doing it first. I mean, really the, the, the cell phone game, revolution is what started microtransactions whoever invented the pay the pay the microtransaction model is a genius give something someone something for free and then nickel and dime them for a dollar here a dollar there and they won't realize they spent 50 or 60 bucks after six months as opposed to selling it once for five dollars so it makes money and it's smart but it has to be within reason you know, and, and I, and I try to defend people's right to do whatever they want. You know, like if you want to, if it makes you happy to not have to wait to do more levels in candy crush, so you pay like a dollar, go for it. You know, I don't care. I mean, but we, we, there has to be a point where we draw a line in the sand and say, I'm not going to put up with this sort of behavior anymore because, well, I don't know that <laughs> we, we have to, otherwise they keep, will push, they will keep pushing the limits of what we find decent until we buck back until we stop being pushed and pushed back. They will keep pushing. And that's just how this works. It's why would you, as a company, why would you stop trying to make more money until you realize you're hurting your fans, right? It's not all about always doing the right thing, even though it's not that hard to do the right thing. It's quite easy actually. Um, but anyway, uh, <laughs> that's pretty much it for today's podcast. It's another short one, and I apologize for that. But it is a, uh, it's um, Thanksgiving week, and I want to wish everyone a happy Thanksgiving. But it's also Black Friday week, so work gets a little crazy, and um, we've had some stuff going on at the store, uh, some personal stuff that's been tough on some employees. So we just need to all come together, and and so I had to kind of rush this out as I am about to rush out the door to the store myself. Um, to get to work. So uh, before I go, though, I want to do another another game recommendation. Kind of looking over my stack of games here. Uh, eh. um, okay, so I think, and, and if I ever repeat these, I'll apologize because I don't think I do. 
But uh, I'm going to talk about Castlevania II Simon's Quest. So Castlevania II Simon's Quest uh, for the NES is one of my all-time favorite games. It's actually the only Castlevania game I had growing up. So it's a very fun game. Uh, I, it has a special place in my heart. But it's also a notoriously crapped-on game by a lot of uh, YouTubers and stuff. Uh, most famously, the Angry Video Game Nerd did his Castlevania II video, which is hilarious. But again, he's a character that he's playing. So he says funny and controversial things on purpose. None of the things he says are necessarily untrue. It doesn't mean that those shortcomings don't make it a bad game, just like his rant on the first Turtles game and, and so on and so forth. They're very fun games still. They're just, they have glaring flaws, I guess. <laughs> um, but Simon's Quest Two was the only one in the series. You know, I, you could argue that it was a precursor to Symphony of the Night. And I know people are like, what? Like, just like, like Greg's comparing Castlevania 2 to Symphony of the Night. Like, this dude's off his meds, man. He's off his rocker. Like, go, <laughs> like he's mental, man. He's lost it. And, uh, and no, I haven't lost it. But the first Castlevania game, when it came out, was very interesting. Because it, it, it was a level-based game. You move left to right, typical platformer. Think Mario. At the end of a level, there's a boss. You beat a boss, and you go on. Okay. Well... Uh, Castlevania 2 had towns where you would talk to townspeople. You would buy items. You need to upgrade items. You had to kill enemies for hearts, which I believe you use as currency. And then you had to buy your upgrades to your whip. And then you kept those upgrades, though. If you had it, you had items and inventory you would get. And then you would find uh, Dracula's castles. Uh, basically, the storyline was that at the end of Castlevania 1, you, like, rip Dracula's body parts apart. And then, like, you spread all of his his body parts around and then to break you're still cursed though so to break the curse you got to get all the pieces and put it back together then kick dracula's ass again which makes no sense but okay um so castlevania 2 though you essentially it was almost like like symphony of the night where you would get upgrades that would allow you to go to other places so you you can only go certain places you have to beat certain castles it's non-linear so you go back and forth uh to places you can level up they had night and day cycles where uh, every, every, you know, notoriously, uh, what a horrible night for a curse box pops up. Uh, and you have to fight harder enemies at nighttime and you can't go into town. In fact, there's like, like wraiths running around town and you can't go into buildings. You can't go into the church and fill up your life, all that sort of stuff. And it, which was completely revolutionary at the time. And yes, there's some ridiculous stuff in the game too. Like, like the crystals thing, like they don't tell you anything in the game, how you're supposed to do stuff. So like you get a white crystal initially, then you're supposed to trade it for a blue and then trade it for a, or you get a blue, trade it for a white, trade it for red, whatever the order is. And you trade these and eventually you get this red crystal and to advance in the game, you have to go to a dead end, kneel for like 10 seconds, and then a whirlwind takes you to the next area. Completely ridiculous. You'd never figure that out on your own. There's no way. There's no townsperson telling you that. Like, there's some really cryptic thing that says, like, kneel before the Mount Dada to blah, blah. And you're like, okay. Like, you just think it's some idiot speaking because that's how it goes. And, uh, but, uh, so, yes, it was weird stuff like that. Not complaining at all. But a nonlinear story, night and day cycles, an inventory system, um, essential, uh, save points, password saving system. Uh, and then multiple endings. The game has multiple endings depending on how quickly you beat the game. That's awesome. I mean, there's three endings in the game. Um, that just kicks ass, you know? Uh, so I don't know. I, I really like that game. I think it gets, a, it gets, a flack for no reason, quite frankly. Go check it out. It's really good. It's, it's Castlevania. It's fun. Uh, be ready to have 
GameFAQs open or something so that you can figure out where to go when the game doesn't tell you where to go. Um, or there's actually some people have done some interesting ROM hacks of it where it actually cleans up the the people's text, the townspeople, so it'll actually tell you what to do, like kneel at the tall wall for 10 seconds instead of saying like, you know, whatever it says initially. So Castlevania 2, highly recommend it. Go out and buy it. I love that game, and I will defend it for a very long time. I'll, I'll defend it till the end of time. Uh, that game was fun, and it, it still is fun. In fact, I should probably play through that sometime. Uh, but again, as always, if you're watching this on YouTube uh, and you haven't, I'd love for you to just mash that subscribe button down there and uh, the little bell if you want to get notifications when we go live and when we do uh, other video updates. If you're listening to this on iTunes, uh, much appreciated. If you have a chance, you could definitely subscribe to us on YouTube still. would really appreciate it. Um, with the holiday season coming up, my content's pulled back a little bit. I'm, I'm trying to get one or two videos out a week. Uh, Jordan right now is killing it with the VR stuff. So if you're interested in any VR games, there's not a lot of people streaming and recording vr stuff because the equipment's also expensive so we got some really good stuff come there and then we just got affiliated on twitch so now we're uh we're gonna start a more regular streaming schedule uh i'm actually gonna try to kick on a, a retro a, a retro show every week so like every thursday at 3 p.m do like greg's retro retro stream and just play games for a couple hours you know um but yeah, with that being said, again, I always appreciate everybody. Everyone have a safe and happy Thanksgiving. Any of the hunters out there, if you're going out, be safe, be smart, you know, um, take care of yourselves. Uh, you know, in Wisconsin here, we've already had a couple people shot and killed over the weekend on opening hunting weekend. So just be careful, everybody. Be safe. Have a happy Thanksgiving. Spend some time with your family. Um, be thankful. Be thankful for, uh, you know, for, for anything you can be, you know, find something to be thankful for. Um, and y'all have a great day. I, I appreciate you always is listening and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Mm -hmm.